Thank you for coming to the podcast, Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com. It's brought to you by my personal favorite in MMA and BJJ clothing, ADK Fightwear. Head to ADKFightwear.com to discover a brand that brings you not only high quality, but brings you value as well. When you use our promo code TURTLE, that's T-U-R-T-L-E, all lowercase, you're going to get 20% off your whole order. And let me tell you what that can get you. That means you can get a brand new rash card for just 16 bucks, a brand new pair of shorts for 20 bucks, and one of their logo tees for 6 bucks. That means you got brand new gear to roll in this week and a shirt to ride home all for under 50 bucks. Look, you can br- barely get one of those items at most places, so get them all at adkfightwear.com. ADK Fightwear brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. This is Daniel Gumby Reeling with Top Turtle MMA on flowcombat.com, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with T. Edwards, who fights Don Madge at UFC Mockton this weekend. So, T, after being a pro for like five years, you finally got that UFC contract with that laser-fast KO on the Contender Series. What was sort of the what, what was it like being on the show? Was it more nerve-wracking than a normal fight, being in that it was in front of Dana White? Uh, no, actually, it was the opposite. Since uh, we're kind of used to bigger venues and large crowds and bright lights, uh, being in the, the UFC house where it's kind of just, you know, 50 people or so, and it kind of seemed like a, 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 a sparring day just with, you know, the four-ounce gloves and everything. So it was a little more laid back. Uh, I'm not a type to really get nervous and anxious as it is, so that just made it kind of even more... Uh, you know, laughed for me. Yeah, and and was it was it weird not having like you know a bunch of fans or a bunch of friends nearby? I mean, obviously you had a couple of cornermen and you got a couple of people in the stands, but it was it weird not having you know everybody that you normally do there. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm definitely used to the walkout music. Uh, you know, the smoke and stuff that, that kind of makes it a little more exciting. Um, so yeah, it was kind of just like a normal a normal practice day. You know, you went back, you warmed up got the drills in and then uh you know walked out and did your your cage rounds except for it was just uh much quicker than usual yeah so i I gotta ask you too if you're the the type of guy who gets real pumped out at your walkout music what can we expect this weekend we got um some sort of track uh queued up to get you pumped up yeah i I got a couple it just depends on my mood but i got some uh got a playlist full of uh either calming uh, walkout music or like workout music or I got a little more hyped up stuff so it kind of depends on how I'm feeling that day so so you wait till the day of to pick your walkout music just based on how you're feeling about the fight no uh, I, they asked me the other day so kind of just it's like that moment so the other day I was in a, a little more hyped up mood so <laughs> I, I picked a more hyped up walkout song some days I'm, I'm real casual so I'm like yeah I want to walk out to something kind of chill laid back you know take my time and stroll out there (laughs) well well your your fighting style your fighting style on the contender series i mean not that it it looked completely laid back but it was pretty laid back i mean you looked really comfortable in there uh you know you you threw hands real fast uh is, is that what we can expect more of this weekend and is that what fans of uh yours should expect every time out uh, no, it kind of just depends on the matchup. I've got a lot of different tools, uh, you know, in my toolbox. So it just depends on what I need to bring out for the opponent. Uh, of course, I have my, my go-to things that I, I, I like to play toward my strengths. But 
depending on the, the build of the guy, you know, his style, and uh, what we need to really exploit depends on kind of what I'm going to bring to the table. Yeah, and I, I wanted to talk about your strengths too because, you know, you've got a ton of quick KOs. Obviously, your hand's lightning fast, lots of power in it, but but you're actually a collegiate wrestler, which I feel like people don't realize. W- were you more wrestling heavy in your early days than you were striking heavy? <laughs> no, I've, <laughs> I've had heavy hands since I got into it. I've just been hitting people pretty hard. Um, <laughs> I, I kind of determined when I started fighting, I, I you know, I've always watched UFC and, and combat sports, I was never really a big fan of watching the, the grind out kind of wrestling matches or, you know, the, those kind of fights. I always liked the knockouts and the, you know, the big highlight reel stuff. But when I, you know, started fighting, I was determined to not be that kind of, <laughs> you know, let prey type of, you know, wrestler that, you know, it doesn't sell tickets and no one really likes to watch it. You know, I've wrestled long enough, uh, you know, over the years. I don't need to do it, you know, <laughs> more, uh, so yeah, I definitely gear myself more towards the striking and stand up. If I absolutely need it, you know, if I need to just get a win for the night, or you know, I'm not feeling great, then sure, I'll, I'll beat a guy up, throw him around, you know, slam him on his head and stuff like that. But you know, ideally, uh, we'll walk off with some cool highlight reel KO that we can play over and over again. <laughs> well, that that last one was certainly it. Now I gotta I gotta ask, going back to something you said before, you you were a fan of the UFC before uh, you became a fighter, so you determined you didn't want to be that kind of guy that lays and prays. You wanted to be the exciting knockout guy. Was there an exciting knockout guy that got you into feeling like that? Was there a, a sort of fighter that you idolized or you, you wanted to be like? Uh, I had a couple guys that I really liked watching coming up. Uh, Machida was a big one. I, I liked his style. He had a very uh, hit-don't-get-hit type of approach, very accurate, explosive, um, but still wrestled very well. Like He wrestled more... Uh, just to shut guys down and then to utilize his stand-up. Uh, Chad Mendez was a big one. He, he had a similar build to me, uh, just at a smaller weight class, you know, a shorter, stockier uh, wrestler who could just, you know, strike, heavy hands, uh, really athletic, kind of did it all. So uh, those are, you know, two uh, at a young age that I kind of saw, and then more along the years. But I definitely like that, um, that matchup of using wrestling when we need to or to wear guys out and then, you know, hitting them with some hard shots. Uh, you know, put the fight away. Well, it's certainly a, a good game plan, especially in this time where it seems like the strikers, not that there aren't a, a handful of good wrestlers out there, but the, the strikers are few and far between. Um, you know, there's a ton of pro fighters coming out of your gym right now. A lot of them have got that sort of style like you where they can stop the takedown and throw the hands. Is that something you feel like is, is really important in your gym or, or stressed in your gym, or is that something we just keep seeing out of the guys who are there just by chance? Uh, well, we got a lot of different kind of styles of guys in the gym, but we do have a good amount of wrestlers and grapplers and just, you know, guys that'll stay in your face and wear you down. So you kind of get acclimated to, you know, dealing with that, with, you know, just having a relentless pace, uh, stuffing those takedowns, and you still got to, you know, throw bombs and, you know, throw volume of punches, you know, after you stuff it. Because if you don't, you know, that, <laughs> the guy across from you is still going to be, you know, arms reach away throwing punches at you. So... Uh, you know, with all the guys and kind of the atmosphere at the gym, uh, if you can't handle that that relentless pace, no matter how talented you are, how fast you are, how strong you think you are, eventually they're going to wear you down and finish you. So you kind of get used to just uh, either maintaining your pace or just being able to deal with that kind of uh, onslaught. 
Yeah, I, lo- I love that. That sort of uh, because there's so many good ones there, you- you're forced to defend it. Now, I, I got to ask you another question before we let you go about the MMA lab because you know it's it's one of the hottest gyms out there right now. We've talked to your coach John Crouch. It seems like we've interviewed a dozen fighters. I always like asking MMA lab fighters what's something we don't know about your coach because he's a pretty private guy with the exception of that the odd interview he gives. What's something that maybe we don't know about John Crouch? Uh, coach Crouch is a savage behind the scenes. Like he's he's very intense. Uh, like when it's fight time, when it's like behind the scenes before you know the fights. Um, he's very calm, cool, you know, composed on the surface and when he's dealing with the media, but like he's definitely about that life. He definitely has that warrior mindset at heart. And like when push comes to, uh, to shove, you know, he definitely has your back and he'll, you know, he'll throw it out and, you know, exchange words, you know, in your defense. So, uh, he's very, <laughs> him and Ben, like both on the, you know, when you see him, they, they're very calm. You don't really see him get riled up, but when things like go down, like they will definitely handle their business if need be. Oh, I, I like that. So n- most people have got some, some sort of corny anecdote. You've got the savage side of John Crouch for us. Well, we, we hope his uh, his savage side gets you all jacked up this weekend. Once again, T. Edwards fights Don Madge this weekend at UFC Mockton. T, we're, we're rooting for you, and uh, we hope for you the very best. All right. Thank you, boss. I appreciate it. And that interview was brought to you by Sheath Underwear. Gentlemen, let's talk about your marbles for a second. When you exercise... You've gotten used to your lame workaday underwear crushing your downstairs against your leg. It causes you to chafe and you got to rearrange yourself like a hundred times. It's nasty. And you can't switch to boxers unless you're some kind of sadist because you're definitely not going to get the support you need. Luckily, Sheath has the answer. Sheath underwear has a special pocket for your buried treasure and that pocket keeps them from rubbing against your leg and promotes airflow so that you can stay cool while still being supported. Plus, to top it all off, sheath underwear is made by a modal fabric that is antimicrobial, moisture wicking, and you get to stay fresh as a result. I wear my sheath every time I'm rolling. Since I got them, I have not once had to be the weird guy on the mat playing with his junk, and because they're comfortable and functional, try them for yourselves at sheathunderwear.com. And don't forget to use promo code FLOW, that's F-L-O, for 20% off your whole order. <clears throat> Once again, I am Daniel Gumby Vreeland, checking in here with my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, let's start by talking about T. Edwards. Uh, what do you think about what he said about our boy, John Crouch? I like what he said about John Crouch. I'm not surprised. Friend of the show. We've had him on before. Can be a bit of an intense guy. Uh, one of the geniuses in the MMA coaching game. I guess... Uh, I, I found it funny, and at the same time, not surprising. Yeah, I think I found it a little surprising, only because he's like so mild-mannered in most of the interviews we've done with him, or that I've seen anywhere. He seems like the super chill guy, but he, he said the same thing about Ben Henderson. Both of them seem real cool and chill on the outside, and then if they need to jack it up, they can, which I guess is probably the trait of a really fucking good coach. There you have it. Uh, you know, I also always like to keep my eye on MMA Lab guys, just because when you have a team like that, that always turns out quality fighters, uh, it's just, uh, you know, you always kind of, it piques your interest when someone comes out of uh, a high-caliber gym like that. Yeah, absolutely, and, and when we saw him on the Contender Series, he's got that, like, crazy one-touch knockout power, a la Sean O'Malley, and then it turns out, you know, looking him up, he, he's a d- collegiate wrestler. I mean, like, fucking collegiate wrestlers with one-touch knockout power, you don't see that too often. No, you don't. And they tend to do pretty well when they yeah. have it. Um, 
We'll go around the league a little bit. Uh, you know, I think things have sort of quieted down now that we're another week removed from UFC 229. We still don't know uh, what the punishment sentencing will be for Khabib and Connor, but I kind of get the feeling it's not going to be that crazy, especially on uh, obviously Connor's side because uh, he didn't necessarily initiate it, although there is some video that shows he threw the first punch. But I think he could say that, you know, he was fearful that people were rushing the octagon. Mm-hmm. Bottom line is, I don't think the suspensions are going to get in the way of a spring fight for either of the two fighters. What do you think? Yeah, I kind of agree to you, with you on that one, especially because, you know, Dana White came out right away and said, I sort of expect Habib to lose, I think he said a quarter of a million dollars and be suspended anywhere between four and six months. Uh, and, and if he appeals whatever Nevada gives him, it'll probably just automatically go to the low number. And in four months, he probably wouldn't have taken a fight in four months anyway. Yeah, and, you know, for me, I mean, whatever the money is, the guys made a billion dollars each on the last fight. So whatever they're going to find them, I mean, Habib doesn't even fight for the money. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you tried to take away his honor, he'd be more upset. Absolutely. And honor has all the money in the world to give. So I'm not that worried about the sentencing, but, you know, we're recording this now. Watch watch it come out in the next day that they're suspended for a year and a half and he was like <laughs> idiots. But that all being said, another rumor on the block, uh, speaking of Connor. Uh, Anderson Spider Silva wants a piece of that Connor action, would meet him at a catchweight, uh, 180 or 175, maybe something in that range. What do you think of that potential idea? I've got kind of a hot take on this one. I think that as far as the UFC is concerned, it's one of the smartest things that they could do. Uh, and I know it sounds crazy to send Connor off to fight a gigantic striker who's fought all the way at 205 before at like a crazy weight, but Connor's going to need a big name fight right now. He's not ready to fight Habib again. If that big name fight is GSP, you are going to take all the luster off of Connor because he is just going to get the same treatment over and over and over again uh, by getting taken down by GSP. So, why send him to get the same treatment when you can send him to fight a guy who's got almost that same high profile and at the same time would give him the type of fight he wants? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I can't take anything away from where you're coming from with that hot take because I agree. I don't necessarily think, and I think John Crouch said this too, you know, coming off the two-year layoff for Connor, Habib is a tough day at the office for anyone. I, I like the idea of Connor maybe doing a fight in January. You know, I think mm-hmm. Connor is best when he is very active. Uh, and I don't want him to have a wrestler, you know, for his sake. I would watch the shit out of it if him and GSP want to have a super fight. But I, I agree, it's going to go the same way as Khabib. Uh, but at the same time, I also always keep in my head, you know, Connor did not knock out Nate Diaz clean. He knocked him down twice mm-hmm. in the second fight. Uh, Connor did not really rock Habib. And what that says to me is, you know, Connor's power at 145 is ungodly. Connor's power at 155 is top of the heap. But let's not forget that Khabib cuts down from, like, Khabib is a big fucking dude. Yeah, he's huge. Cuts down probably in the 190 to 200 range. Anderson Silva has like a cheat meal and he would go up to 205, but he probably also walks around at around 200. I just don't, I, I know Anderson's slower. It's not the same Spider Silva. 
I don't know that that's where I'd go with Connor if I'm his management, but I do like the idea of not the Habib fight right away, a striker fight, and I don't have anyone at the top of my head. But yeah, that know. that's my worry about it is that like you want that striker fight right so he can showcase his hands again, put the shine back on him, make sure that he's ready to sell more pay per views again, and I just don't see a name out there that is like a primary striker who's going to give him the type of fight he wants that sells any kind of pay-per-views, right? Like, would you watch him fight Edson Barboza? Like, you'd watch it, but it's not selling. Well, UFC operates on a different, you know, I guess, plane of existence than, let's say, old-school boxing pay-per-view model. Mm -hmm. But Connor, as a name, sells himself. Now, obviously, I don't... No one knows the financials of Connor and the UFC. It almost seems to me like if they have some sort of backroom deal worked out where he is like a part owner or something. I mean, you saw the proper 12 whiskey on the octagon. I don't know what the financials are of what they need to sell for a Connor fight to be successful. So I agree. Is he going to go out and fight Edson Barboso? You know, Connor's name alone still probably gets 900,000 pay per view buys, but does that cover his costs? No, but. I don't know. I mean, it doesn't have to be Edson Barbosa, but, like, what about a returning... Eh, God, I want to say fucking Nick Diaz, to be honest with you. I'm just trying to think of, like, a yeah, lanky... Yeah, I would, I would take either of the Diaz brothers, and I think that would be a smarter business decision than... than... Anderson Silva. I, I think I'm just being a little bit more realistic here, that it's crazy that I'm saying... Anderson Spider Silva is a more realistic matchup than getting either of the Diaz brothers back at this time. Yeah, well, that's another thing that we had in the news roundup was uh, Dustin Poirier revealed that uh, before he had to drop out of his fight against Nate Diaz at UFC 230, uh, it came out in an interview, I want to say it was with MMAfighting.com, I could be wrong, I apologize if I'm not giving credit where credit is due, but he said that the negotiations with Nate Diaz were an absolute nightmare, Oh, fucking uh, trying to go for main event, trying to go for 165 pounds, catch weights, different weight classes. And it just, Dustin Poirier said, it just felt like he didn't really want to fight. And I somewhat buy that. You know, at this point, it's kind of snuck up on us, but Nate hasn't fought in even longer than when Connor hadn't fought. Yeah, because Connor was his last fight. Right, and Connor went and fought Eddie Alvarez three months later, and we just saw Connor in October, and now Nate Diaz does not have a scheduled fight. So we are going on two and a half years. Because I think they basically have the schedule laid out for the rest of the year. And I don't, I think Nate Diaz would want to be top billing like a co-main event. Well, guess what? The, the end of the year show already has a co-main event. It's Cyborg and Nunez and it's Gus and Jones. So he doesn't fit in on that pay-per-view. So now what you're looking at is Nate Diaz in January. That is two and a half years since Nate Diaz last fought. So I just don't, I, you know, I don't even know what to expect from him as a performance goes, and I don't even know if he really does want to fight again. Yeah, I don't know if he wants to fight again, and at this point in time, he's definitely not top billing anymore. Um, Alright, we have said enough about the news of the day. Uh, let's move to what brought us to the dance. It's this week's Combat Countdown. We're talking about the next Canadian champion, the top five potential next Canadian champions in the UFC. There have been two. Uh, Carlos Newton being one and GSP being two. Obviously, Rory won a title in Bellator, but that's not the UFC. So we're talking about UFC potential next champions. Gumby, before we get to this combat countdown, could you tell us, tell us 
if it's brought to the fans by any great company. It sure is. This Combat Countdown is brought to you by Sisu Mouthguards. Head to sisuguard.com. That's S-I-S-U guard.com. And check out the only mouthguard that allows you to breathe, talk, and drink all with the mouthguard up in your mouth. Check out their Max Guard, especially if you're doing combat sports, because it keeps those choppers safe while allowing you all of the mobility in your mouth that you might need. When I go to jiu-jitsu, I use a Sisu mouth guard. I'll be completely honest with you people. I actually have a Sisu mouth guard in my mouth right now, and I sound great. That's the beauty of a Sisu. Let's get to the combat countdown. We're talking about next Canadian champions, and we'll start, so potential next Canadian champions in the UFC, we'll start with a friend of the show, honorable mention, Elias Theodora. Yeah, we're going to give him the honorable mention. I think the only reason why we keep him as honorable mention is he's just kind of chilled around the edge of that top 15. I think he's actually ranked 15 right now. He's just fought many of those names right around him and had kind of mixed results too. So in order to like crown him a next champion, I think there needs to be a sense of an unknown in how we would match up with people. And with Elias Theodore, we've we've answered a lot of those unknowns. We we've got some of those answers, and some of them are really good, some of them not so good. So as a result, we just barely left him off the list for a couple of other people who have some question marks. Yeah, my thing with Elias Theodoro, um, and I love him as a personality. I think he has the best social media game in the business. I just don't see finishing power mm. there. I don't, you know, I'm a big guy too. Right, and so I I think this is a very interesting time in his career because I know he does a lot of stuff outside MMA, which is great. That's what you want to see. You don't want a guy to you know hover around the top fifteen, not make any money, take brain damage. But here he is at age thirty. This is it. Like he has to go on a run right now if you were going to get to the top of the middleweight division. And I'd like to see him bring some maybe some new striking into the mix, or maybe a sub game that just hasn't been shown off yet. But you know, you look at him. And his last finish was uh, March of 2015, uh, Roger Narvaez. I don't know if I'm even pronouncing that right. Can't remember. Uh, and then before that, Sheldon Westcott in April of 2016. So you're going on four years almost without a finish in the UFC. That's going to be tough to sell you as you know a championship fighter if you're just decisioning people to death. So that's what we want to see out of him. He's on a two-fight win streak, so now's the time. You know, if he unleashed a couple of KOs, he's going to be right in the mix. All right, we'll move then to the actual list, and we'll start with number five. It's one of the smaller fighters on the list. It's Eamon Zahabi. Yeah, Eamon Zahabi, um, you know, he's 1-1 one one in the UFC, but it's sort of a misleading 1-1. One one. You know, super prospect Ricardo Ramos stopped him with a spinning back elbow uh, a little while back, put him out cold, and we, we've sort of not seen him for a while since then. And, and I think a lot of people have written him off as kind of not really... Uh, a big challenger, but if you look at that fight, he dominated Ricardo Ramos, who is a crazy good prospect from start to finish until that elbow hit. As a matter of fact, the only reason that Ricardo Ramos throws that elbow is because he's backed up to the cage. Um, so, you know, I, I think Ayman Zahabi is sort of a, a sleeper pick on this list as a guy who's sneaky good, and he's really cerebral in the way that he fights. So I, I think there's a lot of untapped potential there and uh, uh, some, something that if we see him fight more often, he could see himself moving up the, the rankings. 
Well, he certainly has the coach surrounding him <laughs> to be successful. I think he knows a thing or two about making champions and Canadian champions at that. We'll move then to number four. It's uh, our first female on the list. And hey, spoiler alert, it's actually our only women's fighter on this list. It's Jillian the Savage Robertson. Yeah, Jillian the Savage Robertson, 2-1 and one in the UFC, and again, another one of those people who just came off a loss, and it sort of sucks that we're, we're coming up with this list just as she lost a fight, but it was a fight that she, again, was doing really well in a whole lot of different aspects of it, and got caught in a submission on the ground against a really talented Brazilian submission specialist. So, I, I think Robertson has a lot of room to grow because she's so young, and it's a division that really hasn't shaken itself out yet, so for that reasons. Um, I, I really think that she has a good shot at finding herself in the top 10 or 5 in the near future. Uh, remind me, is she with ATT? Yeah, she's with ATT. So she's working with uh, with Dean Thomas. In, uh, I, I just think when Dean has his hands on people, they make such huge growth, which I think you saw when, when she finished her first two fights, is just that like the growth of working with him is just so big. Well, and I agree completely with you. And speaking of so big, we'll move to number three, uh, the heavyweight on the list. And this is someone who I really believe because the heavyweight division, listen, when Derek Lewis is getting title shots, and I get that he has the personality and he has some like last-minute heroic knockouts, but I, I think we can all agree that the UFC heavyweight division is very wide open right now. You already know that Cormier, the champion, is about to retire. Stipe, the firefighter. I could see him going on a run again. I could also see him retiring very soon. He's a smart guy. He's going to want to get in, get out. So I think the heavyweight division is open, and I think that's great for the wrestling prowess of our number three on the list, Arjun Buller. Yeah, Arjun Buller, uh, you know, world-class level wrestler. Uh, just, you know, represented Team Canada. He is a crazy good wrestler, and if you look again, I can't I can't believe this whole list it seems to be like this. Coming off a loss, but having dominated a guy on the ground for for a whole round, and then got almost plotted, which is just you know, it, it never happens in MMA. It's happened twice in the UFC history. So Arjun Buller has got the pedigree. He's got a fight coming up where he can show us what he's made of. Um, and I'm really excited to see him against Marcelo Gome because I think that's going to really show us that. His wrestling is that much better than everybody else's. And you're right, again, a division that could use some younger blood. I mean, he's in his early 30s, and I think that's i mean, that's pretty young for the division he's in. And wrestlers rue the day up there. Yeah, I think when it comes to the heavyweight division, you could definitely be successful later on in life. So, like, early 30s in the heavyweight division is, like, early 20s in the lighter divisions. Mm -hmm. And it's really just about, like, I think miles on the body at the heavyweight division. And he doesn't have a lot. Now, obviously, he has world-class, you know, Olympic-level wrestling, but he has not been punched in the head continuously. Um, you know, Overeem at this point, I think you get him in the right spot, and he's going out like a light. Uh, so I think someone young, or not young, but someone without a lot of miles in the heavyweight division mm -hmm. can really move forward, even though he's post-30. We'll move then to number two, and if you like fanny packs, you love <laughs> Olivier Oban-Mercier. Yeah, Ohm is uh, a, a pick for me here, too, not just because of his skills on the ground and sort of what he's been able to do in the cage. I mean, he was in the top 15 recently, um, but not only because of what he can do in the cage, but because his personality is the type that might 
rush somebody to a title shot should he put three or four together um i mean they're already selling signature shirts with his face on them um he's huge in canada he's got a really good social media presence if if the ufc were looking to break in and get a new canadian champ and needed to like force the envelope a little bit they would with him after a two or three fight win streak and that's not to say that he wouldn't be deserving anyway uh because he is a, a younger guy who's on his way up but uh, I think that his presence also really helps his chances on this list. Yeah, agreed completely. I think for him, you know, again, he goes on a mini run. He gets a big win, hopefully finishes someone. His personality, his social media game, Reebok's already marketing him. He, he really does have a chance to be at least in a title mix sometime soon, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, if the wins keep coming. All right, so let's back this up. We're getting to number one. Number five, however, was Eamon Zahabi. Number four was Jillian Robertson. Number three was the big man, Arjun Buller. And we just talked about number two, Olivier Aubin-Mercier, OAM. So now let's bring it home, Gumby. Who is the number one pick to be the next potential Canadian champion in the UFC? So I'm going with Brad Katona just because, not just because of his uh, recent stint on The Ultimate Fighter. I, I just think when I watched him, in on the ultimate fighter and then i watched him in the the ultimate fighter finale he looks like a completely different fighter having put a full training camp together and even though he's canadian he's uh overworking in ireland with straight blast uh and i i think that that coaching is the right mindset for a type of fighter like him and he really reminds me of like a young rory mcdonald where you like look to see where he's strongest and you probably can't even say a place, like right? Like you're not like his wrestling strongest, his striking strongest, his like clinch work strongest. You're just like he's fucking damn good everywhere. He's not super special anywhere, but he's damn good fucking everywhere. So if he continues to grow at the rate he is, with his the head on the shoulders that this kid's got, I think he's fucking real dangerous in the future. You heard it here first, fucking real dangerous in the future. Hey, if you liked our list, if you hated our list, hit us up on Twitter, at TopTurtleMMA, and let me tell you why you're going to want to follow us. Our Twitter feed has a lot going on. During fights, live fights, we do a giveaway where you can win an autographed UFC fighter card. We gave away a Dan Henderson autograph a couple of weeks back. Tune in during uh, UFC shows for live giveaways. It's, of course, part of a trivia contest, so you got to bring your MMA game. We're not just giving these things away. you kind of got to earn it. But if you get the trivia right, you can win yourself an autograph. And we do daily trivia anyway. So you're going to want to follow the show for our uh, daily MMA trivia, and that's all at Top Turtle MMA on Twitter. That was Combat Countdown. But now we have to get to UFC Moncton Breakdown. Gumby, does any fine company bring us this UFC Moncton Breakdown? And this UFC Moncton Breakdown is brought to you by BJJ Tea Club. We live in an age of subscription services. You can get your toothbrushes, your dinner, and the toys for your pet all delivered regularly to your house. Why not add high-quality BJJ t-shirts as well? Our wardrobes can always use a little update, and BJJ Tea Club has fresh, unique designs on a high-quality shirt. Plus, they're easy to deal with because they got no contracts and you can cancel at any time. And you aren't even going to want to cancel at any time because what they ship to you is worth every penny. Plus, you can save a couple of those pennies by going to BJJTclub.com and using promo code FLOW. 
That's F-L-O to get 5% or $5 off your first short. That means you can get started for just $7.50. Head on over and try them out. So for our three picks today in the UFC Mockton Breakdown, uh, I'm going to start with Volkan Ozdemir over Anthony Smith in the main event. I really like Volkan Ozdemir here, even as a negative 190 favorite. Uh, I just think his sustained body of work at light heavyweight is way more impressive than Smith. I also think Smith has been a little chinny in the past. I've seen him get knocked out uh, by Tiago Santos, so I, I like Ozdemir to get the finish here. As an underdog pick, I like Patrick Cummins uh, over Misha Serkinov. Misha Serkinov is known is this kind of like wrestle grappler but I have a tough time seeing how he gets Patrick Cummins to the ground and you know Cummins has a way of winning those stand-up battles uh and he can take a hell of a punch so you can get him at plus 350 which is a hell hell of a value right there so I take it Patrick Cummins and then in the staying in the light heavyweight division for all three of them this time, I'm taking Jean Volante over Ed Herman. Volante betting off at negative 275 favorite to Herman's plus 225. Uh, I just think Volante's got a smarter game plan to go in with here. He can hit the takedown. He can put him up against the cage, whereas Herman's going to be looking for that home run swing here. So once again, to recap, I like Volkan Ozdemir over Anthony Smith, Patrick Cummins over Misha Serkinov, and Jean Volante over Ed Herman. So that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We'd first like to thank our sponsors, ADK Fightwear, Sheath Underwear, Sisu Mouthguards, and the BJJT Club. Plus, we'd like to thank Flow Combat for having us on each and every week. Don't forget to check them out at Twitter, at Flow Combat, and you can also check our show out at Top Turtle MMA on Twitter. You're going to want to check it out. We've got a lot of fun trivia going on there and contests. It's a lot of fun, so head on over, check that out. I have been Daniel Gumby Vreeland here with Shockwave Dave Tremonte, and we will see you next week.